Hey guys, it's Alana and welcome back for another episode of Seeing Other People. We have a really exciting guest on today's episode, Whitney Goodman. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She is the author of the book, Toxic Positivity, and she's known as Sit With Wit, W-H-I-T, on Instagram, where she posts a ton of really informative and incredible content about, um, of course, toxic positivity, but also how to really sit with your emotions, how to say things in a maybe more sensitive and thoughtful way to a friend who's going through something difficult. So really amazing content that hardly scratches the surface of what she talks about and and what she has to offer. But really excited to chat with her today. I'm really excited to just chat in general and to be recording this episode. I feel like over the last like week or so, I've been so nonstop and not to say that it's been bad. Like I've done such fun things. I've like went to two restaurants I've been dying to go to. I went to my cousin's concert. I hung out with my cousins and their fiancés. And of course, Jake and, you know, did a double date with uh, one of my best friends, Julia. But all that to say, like, I've been so overwhelmed. And just getting to kind of come back and, and do this episode on on the Monday morning, which is when I'm recording this right now, has been really helpful and like reminding me what I'm doing and and why I'm doing it. So I just wanted to share that because I know sometimes life can get really, really busy and, and can be overwhelming and make us feel like things are out of hand or a little out of our control or kind of feel like, oh my God, I'm doing so much. Like, what's the point of all of this? And, you know, sometimes it is just a good reminder of like, or it's good to remind yourself of why you're doing something and how it makes you feel. And I feel really bad because over the last few days, I've hardly posted anything on seeing other people on Instagram. And it's not even that I've been such like a biz, like busy in terms of my social life. Like I know I mentioned all those things, but I have I had to go out and film for my Snapchat show twice this weekend. I had a million emails that I hadn't responded to dealing with brands, dealing with like booking episodes and all this stuff. So it's like, there's a million things happening, but to actually just come back and like record this episode felt really, really good. Um, so yeah, just remind yourself, you know, when you're feeling stressed, when you're feeling overwhelmed, why you're doing the thing that you're doing or what the greater like meaning to what you're doing is. And I think that just kind of helps bring you back to where you need to be and just to feeling like you're in a good place. So I am going to stop talking momentarily to get into this episode. But just a reminder, we have dating app profile revamps and emotional support human sessions for anyone who, you know, wants to enhance their dating app profile, give it a little facelift, um, help attract the right people and kind of deter the wrong people away. I got you covered. I have years of experience with dating app profiles and I love revamping your profiles. And then I love even more hearing how much of an impact it's actually making. So definitely hit me up for that. And of course, if you want someone to talk to about whatever's going on in your dating life, I'm not a therapist, I'm not an expert, but I have a lot of dating experience. I am a dating expert. And I can definitely help you navigate any dating situation you're dealing with. Or, you know, sometimes we just want to talk to someone who isn't a good friend of ours. We want an unbiased opinion. And I got you covered. So you can head to direct.me slash Alana Dunn, or you could just look in the link in my bio on Instagram to schedule those sessions. Um, Don't forget to give a five-star rating and review to this episode. If you're on Spotify, you just tap the five-star button. takes less than a second. If you're on Apple Podcasts, you scroll down and you leave a little review. I it means the world to me. I appreciate it so much. And of course, send this episode to a friend, to your group chat who needs to hear it. Toxic positivity really does impact all of us. You'll definitely understand more of that while listening to this episode. But I think that learning from Whitney is something that we really all 
will be better off for. So without further ado, let's get into it. We are leveling up. We're figuring out our dating lives. We're learning how to take better care of ourselves. We're cooking healthy meals instead of ordering takeout every night. And we're being more cognizant of what goes into our bodies. Now, you know I have you covered with the dating part, and Caraway Home has you covered with the rest. It's time to ditch the chemicals with Caraway Home's non-toxic cookware and bakeware collections so you can make healthier cooking a piece of cake. Caraway Home's non-toxic kitchenwares are all designed for the modern home and feature a chemical-free ceramic coating so food can be prepared with peace of mind that no hard-to-pronounce compounds will leach into your healthy ingredients. I've been using Caraway's saute pan. I got it in gray and it is without a doubt the trendiest and cutest thing in my apartment. And the best part about it is that when I cook, nothing sticks to it. It makes for the best experience and makes cooking so much more enjoyable. How great it is to use and knowing that it's non-toxic and eco-friendly has led me to cook so much more. So I'm actually saving money and eating healthier and I feel great. You know, whether it's for myself, when a friend comes over to tell me every detail of their date from the night before or for a cozy date night in, my Caraway cookware has been stepping up my game and helping me stay healthy in every way. All of their cookware and bakeware products also make amazing wedding gifts or engagement gifts. And I know you guys have those coming up so you can check your gift search off the list. Visit carawayhome.com slash seeing other people to take advantage of a limited time offer for 10% off your next purchase. This deal is exclusive for seeing other people's listeners. Visit carawayhome.com slash seeing other people or use code seeing other people at checkout. Caraway, non-toxic cookware made modern. All right. And we are here with Whitney Goodman, aka Sit With Wit and the author of Toxic Positivity. Whitney, welcome to seeing other people. Hi, thank you for having me. I am so excited to have you here. I am a huge fan of your work and I feel like toxic positivity specifically is something that really impacts all of us, but we don't really understand to what extent. And it's something that everyone I think has like heard the term at this point, but they don't really know what it means. So to start off, I kind of want to hear from you just like, what is toxic positivity and what led you to want to explore the topic of toxic positivity? Yeah, I see toxic positivity really as this like force that is an unrelenting pressure to be happy, be pursuing happiness and positivity at all costs, no matter what the circumstances. And it's something that we use against each other, which is probably a lot of the examples that people have heard, and also something that we use against ourselves as a way to like shame ourselves for not being happy. Um, but this is something that I definitely saw mainly online when I got on Instagram to start marketing my practice in 2018. I was like, oh gosh, this stuff was all missing me on my personal <laughs> account. Um, and then I started really just kind of noticing patterns with my clients. Like they would say like, I know I shouldn't complain. I know I should be grateful. And I started having more conversations with people about this pressure and was like, wow, this is something that I'm certainly feeling. I think a lot of us are, and maybe we need to talk about it, um, you know, a little more deeply. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really like the word that you use pressure. Like there is so much pressure to, it, be happy. And if you're not happy to at least seem like you're happy and yeah. seem like everything is okay and is going to be okay. And, and it's okay to not be <laughs> happy. Like shit happens. Life is really hard. And I think that's a huge, huge issue that people like don't let themselves 
be upset. They don't let themselves like feel the pain that they want to feel. And I mean, especially we'll get into how it impacts our, our dating and lives and relationships, but like it, it just blows my mind sometimes how people really try and force themselves to like see the good in every single situation when sometimes it's okay to just not feel good about it. Yeah, it's so true. And I think we've all kind of felt that pressure before. Yeah. So question for you is why do you think we're so like drawn to toxic positivity? Like why do we feel that pressure that we were just talking about to always be happy, to always be like living our best lives? I mean, I think it's definitely just part of our culture in general, especially like American culture to always be happy and upbeat. But there's also this feeling I've noticed that people feel like they're a burden or there's something wrong with them or people are going to leave them if they show too much emotion or, you know, especially if you've been told throughout your life, like, oh, you're too much, you're dramatic, um, you're overreacting. Like we kind of get these messages, I think, especially as girls and women, um, that you have to just be smiling and bubbly and happy all the time. And it gets ingrained in you. There's also this flip side of like, it's really hard to be there for people that are struggling. And I think a lot of us know that feeling of like, I want to fix this. I want to make it better for you. And when we can't, it feels like such a weight that I think sometimes we just want people to be happy and to be calm and be doing okay so that we don't have to feel the discomfort that comes with sitting with them in that pain. Yeah, I completely relate to that. I think there are a lot of times where I've seen like my friends go through breakups and I've just been like, oh, like I want to help them so badly, but like either they're not letting me help them or I don't know how to help them and and nothing really is going to help them except for time. But like, I feel like I'm failing as a friend by not being able to do something about it. And I know that that situation has been true on the flip side where like I've been going through breakups or really difficult times and I've seen how much it hurts my friends that I like wouldn't let them help me in the moment, you know? Yep. So true. It's like yeah. both things can be true at the same time. Exactly. So I'm curious, what are some ways just off the top of your head that like toxic positivity shows up in the dating world, maybe through like phrases or different things that people say at different stages in dating? I mean, I think especially for single people, we hear a lot of these platitudes of like, you'll find someone when you least expect it or like, don't worry, other people love you or like, you're amazing. Don't be upset about that. Or like when someone's going through a breakup, you get a lot of like, they didn't deserve you anyways. Like you're going to find somebody so much better. And it's, it's all these platitudes are just trying to put a positive spin on something. Yeah. It, I think the worst thing for a single person to hear is like, you'll find it when you least expect it. Or like, you'll find someone as soon as you stop looking. It's like, stop. Like, no, I think that drives people absolutely crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's sort of like, I think what we have to remember here is that when you're sharing these things with someone, it's usually when they're complaining about something, right? Like about them not liking being single or they got dumped or someone isn't texting them back. And that's like the ultimate moment where someone doesn't want to hear that stuff. (laughs) Yeah. But it's like, well, what, what is somebody supposed to say is the hard part of it. And I know that's something you talk about a lot in your book is like things that people say versus like what somebody wishes they said instead, or like different things we can offer to our friends or, or loved ones in tough times. Um, I think it's really interesting how you said like it's when people are complaining because it's like yeah like if you're complaining about it 
are you complaining? You just do you just want someone to listen? Or do you want someone to offer you advice to offer you those words of encouragement? I think that's something that we don't necessarily take upon ourselves to say like, Hey, I just want to complain right now. Like I don't need advice or like I'm having a really tough time. Like I do want advice. I think if people were able to separate those two things and consciously decide what they want out of the conversation, I feel like we would be better off. Oh, a thousand percent. And that's even something I notice a lot of my own friends doing now is like, they'll text being like, I just need to vent. And I know in that moment when I'm just getting like a chain of text messages to be like, oh my God, that sucks. I'm sorry that happened. Like they're not coming to me for this like advice because they already know what they have to do most of the time. It's really just that something annoying happened and they want to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the brain dump and you like, they just want to be validated a lot of the time. And I feel like that's a huge thing where people, most of the time they just want that. They want to feel seen and heard and understood, but we don't necessarily give them the space to do that. Totally. So I'm curious, how does toxic positivity like manifest itself when it comes to relationship problems? I know you talked about one of your clients, Pedro in your book, and I feel like there's a lot to take away from that. If you know me, you know that my dating life was riddled with dating anxiety. The second I would get home from a date, the only thing I could think of is like, oh my God, I I must have done something wrong or maybe he hates me. Maybe I'm never going to hear from him. And I'd be thinking those things even if the date went amazing. And I would literally overthink. I would self-sabotage. I would convince myself that it was over and I would stay up all night, like not being able to sleep, not being able to focus on anything other than how bad this great date actually went. And what helped me get over that and really be able to say like, okay, that was a good date and I'll hear from them. And if I don't like, okay, was taking Mindset Wellness CBD's Calm Gummies after my dates. They really helped me just stay present and realize like, okay, I went on a date and I did the best I could and it went the way it went and that's all I can do. And I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to wake up tomorrow. I'm going to get through my day tomorrow. I don't need to be checking my phone every three seconds. And it was such a game changer for me in my dating life. So I definitely want that for you. If you are currently experiencing dating anxiety, you have to try Head to mindsetwellness.com and use code seeing other people at checkout to get 20% off and free shipping. And again, those are the calm gummies. I promise you, they will help you so much. So I think we see this happen in a couple of different ways. Like toxic positivity can be used to keep people in relationships that might otherwise be bad or it has that impact on them. So I hear a lot of commentary um, when people are in abusive or difficult relationships where they'll say like, oh, but at least they do this for you. Or they're so much better than all the other people I've been with. And it's like, you're really dismissing what that person is going through. And then on the flip side of like, if a relationship ends, like what I talked about in, in the book, really telling people that like, okay, if you got out of that relationship, now you better be happy that you're single and you need to appreciate your time alone and you need to be so excited about your independence. And we like, don't leave any room for people to be in that grieving space. Yeah. And what people really need is that time and space to say like, okay, I just went through this thing that all of this happened and now I have to deal with it. And like, I will be okay, but I'm not necessarily okay right now. 
Exactly. And the grass is always greener on the other side with relationships, right? Like I think single people think that their married friends are always like happy and have company and sitting around and vice versa, that your single friends are like so free and independent. And we all have struggles no matter where you fall, you know, on that spectrum. Totally. One thing I think is really not funny, but kind of funny, like the, just the way we go about it is like, if somebody gets out of a relationship, and, and I don't, I mean, like a general relationship, not necessarily like a toxic or abusive relationship. But you know, someone, let's say someone breaks up with my friend, all of my friends and I are going to be like, Oh, well, like, screw him. Like, he's not good enough for you. Like, you deserve so much better. Like, fuck that. Like, no. And then what happens when they get back together and then the friend ends up getting mad that we were <laughs> not nice about that guy and that we were like shitting on him. Yep. And I see that happen. And that's just even like a more of a, just like a mind trick of like, well, what are you supposed to say? <laughs> it's so true. And like, I actually make a point not to do that with therapy clients because you never know what's going to happen. Right. Or like mm -hmm. where they're going to end up. So I think in those moments, it's about staying focused on like the person, you know, what are they going through? What are they experiencing? What's hard for them? Because it can feel good to be like, all right, I'm going to shit on this other person, build them up. But they were still in a relationship with that person. So making them look totally terrible isn't always a great strategy either. Yeah, like there's still all of that history. Like they still probably loved this person and saw a future with them and thought that at the time you liked them too. <laughs> right, so, right. Yeah, that's definitely tough. Um, so one question that I have for you is I know obviously like the term gaslighting is I feel like I feel like two years ago nobody had ever heard of it, and now it's like used in every other like conversation about dating or about a dating situation that went wrong. And I do know that there is a, like a crossover between toxic positivity and gaslighting. I'm wondering if you could get into that a bit for the listeners. Sure. So toxic positivity can become a form of gaslighting when it's being used like routinely over time to really deny someone's existence and, or their problems. And I mainly use this in the context of like, racism, different types of prejudice where we tell people like, no, that's not true. What you're feeling isn't real. That doesn't exist. And I think we can see this in relationships too. When you're with somebody who is constantly telling you that what you're feeling isn't legitimate, um, you just need to be happier. Like you're always being such a buzzkill. You're always so negative. And they're using that around times when you bring up legitimate complaints about things that are going wrong in the relationship, right? So if you have someone that you're dating or whatever, and they're not showing up, they're being mean to you, they're criticizing you, and you bring that up, they say something like, oh, you're always so negative. Like you're always critiquing me. Right. That to me would kind of move into gaslighting territory of like, this person is really trying to manipulate the narrative and make you the one that is negative and bad and critical. And they're just the happy, nice one that's just trying to get through their day. Yeah, it really is. I, I, I get stuck on the fact that I feel like people don't mean it. Like they don't mean to come off in that way. Like they don't mean to cause harm to somebody. But I do feel like there is so much like internal harm that's caused when we're feeling like, well, we're the problem or well, like we're the reason that we're not as happy as we could be. Or like, clearly I'm doing something wrong. If like this person thinks that things can be better, that I'm being too dramatic. 
Yeah, there's there's a fine line here and there's a spectrum, I think, between like toxic positivity on one end that really isn't evil or ill-intentioned. Like I think sometimes yeah. when people are just like, look on the bright side or they're trying to help, I wouldn't put that in the same bucket as like the gaslighting toxic positivity. That to me is somebody who really is trying to like deny your reality and make you feel bad about what you're doing. And so if you have someone who's routinely just telling you like, you're the problem, you just need to like get off your ass, do something different. And they're not offering any other, anything else constructive. That to me is a little bit more abusive or kind of moving into that category. Do you think people who have, or get into the pattern of gaslighting someone like where does that come from? Like, are they trying, do they know that they're like potentially causing harm to someone? Are they trying to like, how does that end up happening? It's complicated. And I would say it's like a yes and a no. I think there are of course some people who have realized that this type of behavior serves them and they're getting something out of it. There's also people who that's what they know. That's what they watch their parents do to each other. That's what their parents did to them. Um, They're looking for some type of power over someone, especially somebody who has constantly been powerless or is a victim of trauma in that way, might find that gaslighting someone else makes them feel strong. But a lot of the time, I see it as just like being this generations of pattern that's repeated over and over. And you finally tell someone like, you know, that's not the way to get someone to stay. It's not the best way to get someone to love you. Yeah. Why do you think gaslighting has become such a popular term over the years? Like, do you think it's from social media or from like, is it just one of those terms that people now throw around all the time? Because like, I definitely see that even like in my group chats and on TikTok and stuff where it's like, it's almost like how, and and this is something we could talk about for hours, not today, (laughs) but like, how TikTok and Gen Z kind of like glorify depression and anxiety, you know, like I feel like gaslighting is almost becoming something like that. Totally. I think social media is, is largely responsible for a lot of this. And I feel like I play a role in that as a therapist on social media, that trauma, gaslighting, all these words have started to get thrown around as if like gaslighting is the same thing as someone disagreeing with you. That I like to really point out that gaslighting is a long-term like strategic manipulation and abuse tactic. It's not necessarily someone just saying like, that's not true in the sense that maybe like they just don't agree with you or they don't believe that. It's it's so nuanced that it's hard to have it on social media because it can just get taken. Yeah. I really, I mean, like you said, like people disagreeing. Now people are saying that that's gaslighting. Like I see that all the time. And I'd say like, when I hear somebody say like, Oh, like they were gaslighting you or like he gaslit me. Like I'd say one out of every 10 times it's actually gaslighting. Yeah. Yeah. It's so tough because then you're sort of like gaslighting someone. If you're telling them like, Oh, that's not gaslighting. It it becomes very complicated. (laughs) Yeah, it really does. Um, okay. So I'm curious how, if let's say like somebody is trying to like push on someone else, like, Oh, like, why are you still single? Or like you go home for the holidays, like, and your family is like, like, why haven't you brought someone home yet? Or, you know, like you're getting older, like 
in a way, yes, they're trying to encourage you, but how do you like ask them to not do that? Or what are things you can say instead of like, well, I'm trying and it's really hard out there. <laughs> like, you know, like I feel like that's something people run into all the time and people end up like being afraid to go home when they're single because like they know that that question is going to come up. A couple of different strategies that you can use here is like, depending on your personality, I think one is really changing the subject and saying like, yeah, no one's here with me this year. I've been working on this really cool project. I've been doing this at work, like bringing something else up. I know a lot of people use humor in the way of like, oh, you seem really concerned about my dating life or trying to kind of blow it off in some way. You can also be serious and say like, I would really appreciate it if you don't ask me that anymore. Like when I'm ready to bring someone home, I will. And I think depending on the person, the relationship, there's a lot of different ways that you can set that boundary. Yeah, it's tough. And I know it's like scary to kind of defend yourself or or kind of stand up for yourself, especially to family members. But at the same at the same time, on the flip side, like I, I, I imagine that most family members aren't trying to make you feel bad or make you feel like you're not good enough on your own. But I, I do think it's kind of a, just like a, a vicious cycle that happens. Yeah. You know, people do this thing when they get older. I think that they want their life decisions to be like validated or reflected in other people. It's sort of like this support. So if someone is married, you know, they might be wondering when you're going to get married to, or when you're going to have kids, because that's what they did. And it's hard to go against that in a family, but there can be a lot of power in saying like, you know, I'm focusing on this in my life right now. Yeah, I think that's really smart, especially I know people who like maybe they're crushing it at work, like, okay, they haven't found the person they want to spend their life with, but they just got a great promotion. And I think turning it around and saying like, oh, like I've been super busy because like I've been doing XYZ at work, but it paid off because I just got promoted. Like, and changing the subject to talk about like, whatever else positive is going on in your life. Cause I think that's the problem with dating and relationships is sometimes we make ourselves feel and people make us feel like if we are single, we're like, we're failing. Yeah. Which is so like messed up. I mean, there's so many other interesting things about a person besides who they're with and like, I'm married, you know, it's great, <laughs> but you can really talk about, other things in your life other than that. And I think that person is just showing you what they value, you know, more yeah. than making it a critique on you. Yeah, I agree. I, I feel like I've seen like my friends are now starting to get engaged and married. And I have friends who have been dating their significant others for years now. And like, they cannot focus on anything except for the fact that they're not yet engaged. Like they don't yet have that ring on their finger. And I'm like, but like you just moved in together. It's going really well. <laughs> or like, well, everything's great. Like just because you're not engaged doesn't mean your relationship is any less than any, like anything else. And, but it's like the only thing they can think about. Like they can't even focus on the fact that their relationship is great because they're not engaged and they want to be, or they feel like they should be. I feel like that relates so much back to like the pressure to be happy thing that we look at all these milestones in life as like, that's going to be the next thing that makes us happy. Right. I talk about like these happiness scripts in the book that it's like getting married is the next thing and you'll get all this happiness and joy. And then you have a baby and you buy a house and you're happy. And it's like, you want to just get to that next thing. Cause the promise of it is so big. Yeah. And 
I feel like when I see my friends and, and people I know go through it, I ask like, Oh, like, how does it feel? Like, how does it feel any different? Or like what now? And they're like, Oh no, it's just the same. It, it's <laughs> like, yeah, we're engaged now, but no, it's the same. Now we have to plan a wedding. Okay. We're married now. No, it's the same. We just went back to our lives. And yeah, that like almost also sets us up for disappointment when it's not like that. That doesn't mean instant happiness. Yes, exactly. And I think that's a lot of like the lie we've been sold in some ways that like, if you do all these things, you will get unlimited happiness. And that's what I try like with this book to get people to question a little bit, because are you doing something because it's going to make you happier? Were you just told that like some other people became happy when they did that? And not everybody needs to even partner long term, you know, there's a lot of people that are very happy and content being single. Totally. You know, I just had an episode come out uh, with a listener who came on anonymously to share how she her dating life is knowing that she does not want kids. And our conversation was really, like, interesting in the way that I had never really sat down and, and took the time to think like, do I want kids? Or do I want kids? Because that's what I'm supposed to do. And for me, yes, I do want to get married. I do want to have a family. I do want kids. But it was almost like I was mind blown at the fact that I'd never actually thought about it. And I've gotten so many messages from listeners who were like, oh my God, that episode was almost life-changing because I've now been thinking about it for like days or for a week. And like, I don't want kids. And I've never actually taken the time to think about that before. I just thought that... I would have kids one day because that's what is expected of me. And that's what equals like happy life. Exactly. Yeah. It's so cool that when you hear people questioning that stuff, right. And if you ultimately get to the same conclusion of like, oh, I do want kids. You chose it. It wasn't put on you. And that's totally different. Yeah. 100%. So in terms of like this whole idea of happiness, I know you talk about like being like good enough or like happy enough? Like what are some ways that people can maybe reflect and say like, okay, do I really need to go that like extra mile or or try and make this thing happen that I think is going to improve my life? Or like, am I in a good enough place? I think it, it ties in exactly with what we were just talking about that really figuring out like what is actually important to you and what are you just being told that you should strive for or think is important. And so like, We get bombarded with these messages all the time. I need this new outfit. I need my fridge to be organized. I need my bedding to look like whatever it is. Uh, I hate social media. Oh, it's so much. it. It infiltrates your brain. And then I'm all of a sudden, I'm like, I have to do all those things. And when you dial it back a little bit, it's thinking about like, is my life really going to change that much if I do X, Y, and Z? Why do I want to do that thing? Like, What is the value or the desire behind it? And I think there's certain areas in life where we have to work really hard and things are important. And for you, that might be work, family, the environment, your body, whatever it is. But deciding like, what are those things going to be for me and what's going to be good enough? And how can I let the noise like kind of die around me that if I don't want a 30 step skincare routine, it doesn't mean I'm doing something wrong. That's just like what they're doing over there. And it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Every day I'm like, okay, I'm not using any a specific serum or something. Like I need to get that. And it's like, I just, Whitney, I just started actually taking my makeup off at night. And like, yep. I'm really proud of that. For me, that is a big deal. And if I'm not using a specific like 
moisturizer or a specific, I don't even know the word for the thing I'm trying to think of that like I see every day, but like it, that doesn't mean I'm doing something wrong or that doesn't mean I'm not like, I'm not going to have okay skin or like, okay enough for me. And yeah, I posted um, a video recently about, as you mentioned, like the body stuff, I posted a video about like, it was like to, to like asking a question to brides where I have been seeing all these like wedding registries and I'm like, wow, this person really does not need this $300 pot that they're going <laughs> to use once a year. And I'm like, if it were me planning a wedding and, and filling out my registry, you're like, what are the things that I would actually want? And for me personally, I was like, oh my God, like I know that like, feeling like my best self physically is going to be so important for me on my wedding day, because that's something that I really value. And for me, I know that would involve like, maybe getting a personal trainer or a nutritionist or something. And like, why don't we like, why wouldn't I put that on my registry? Like, that's an expense that I would care way more about than pots and pans. And so I posted a video on TikTok being like, why do brides not put that on their registries? If that's something that they want, that's something that is going to be a big investment for them. And I got attacked by people being like, well, maybe I don't like care. Like, why do I need to like kill myself to like look a certain way? It's just one day of my life. Like, I just want to be happy. I don't want to like diet myself to no end. And like that, that was obviously not at all what I was saying, but it really is like, like, do I actually need to look that a certain way or, but like for me, yes, I, I know that like, I would feel like my best self if I looked good, but it is so interesting when presented with these things that like society forces us to feel a certain way. It's like, well, some people do want that. And some people really, really don't. Right. Right. It's like, can it be okay for you to value something and not someone else? And that doesn't mean that I'm telling you that you have to diet or do any of those things because I, first of all, getting a personal trainer does not mean that you're going to go on like a crash diet and starve yourself. Like I think that could be a really great way to get stronger and feel better that I think we're applying so much meaning like to everything people do. And if you're doing that, someone feels like, well, then I have to get a trainer and I have to look this way for my wedding. And it's really not that way, like at all. It's, it's so hard out there. It's so, oh my God. I'm like getting stressed, like thinking about all this. It really is like, even like my apartment now I'm like, okay, how can I make my apartment nicer? Because it doesn't look like all the videos of apartments I see in the background of like podcasters and influencers videos. And like, if I'm making videos, my apartment needs to look just as cute and trendy. Yeah. And it's like, I don't really care. I just want it to be comfy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So true. It's there's constantly something you can be changing or doing differently. Yeah, a hundred percent. Okay. I have a few listener questions for you. Um, oh. the first one is how can I support my friend who is upset with where they are in their timeline of getting into a relationship? I think the first thing you always want to do is try to understand more about what they're upset about. So a lot of the time we're, we say like, it's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. And we haven't taken the time to really get to know what they're afraid of. So even asking questions about like, all right, what are, what are you worried is going to happen? Like what's scaring you the most? What's the hardest part for you? And getting to know what's going on there. The second part is really validating it. So instead of saying like, oh, it's going to be fine, saying like, I get why that would be scary. Or like, I don't know exactly how you feel, but like that seems like something that somebody would worry about, like validating that. And then really honestly asking them point blank, like, do you want me to just listen to you talk about this? Do you want advice and letting them choose and even asking like, 
how can I be more helpful? Like, especially for single friends of like, do you want to go out alone once a week? Do you want to do something like without significant others trying to meet them where they're at? Yeah, I think that's so important because I think a huge part about like feeling sad or lonely that you're single is that you sometimes end up feeling isolated. Like we talk all the time about how like someone could be the only single person left in the friend group or they start feeling left behind because their friends are all like a few steps ahead of where they are and where they want to be. And I am always getting listener questions about like, well, like my friends are all like steps ahead of me. How do I tell them that like I miss them and I want to spend more time with them? And I think it really is like on everyone to be cognizant of that and be conscious and say like, oh, like this person is the only single person in the friend group. Like maybe they are feeling lonely and maybe I can like be like see them more. Maybe they miss like having me around more. Like let's have a girls night stuff, stuff like that. Cause I think that's a huge, huge pain point is feeling left behind and seeing your friends go through these changes and and you're just not there. And that's not because you don't want to be there. It's so true. And I think it can happen from both sides is what we have to remember. Like I, I was the first of all my friends to have a baby and thinking I'm like, oh, now I'm up here and they're back there. And there's this weird thing of like, I want them to come to me and they want me to come to them. But I think we, we can all remember that like, we all kind of feel that sometimes and it's okay to ask for that from your friends and to verbalize it. Yeah, absolutely. And and in terms of asking like what you said before of like, do you want me to listen or do you want me to offer advice? I think that is so powerful. And if you can say that to a friend, like that is something that they will appreciate so much. It's something that I've started to do actually. And, and maybe it was actually from like reading in your book. I don't remember, but I've noticed like my friends will literally thank me for asking them that. Because it's so uncommon for someone to be like, well, like, what do you actually need from me? Or like, how can I actually help you? And it's, it really is so simple. We just don't think to do it because we assume that they want advice. We assume that they want these like words of encouragement that might end up like ultimately not making them feel better. It's a great thing you can do. I love that strategy. Yes. Okay. Next question is what is... Actually, this really relates to this one. What's the best way to tell your friends that they're on a different timeline without sounding insensitive? Mm. So it sounds like this person is saying like just that maybe they don't want the same things or they're on different timelines that I honestly, I think it's this is just about like celebrating what is bringing your friends happiness and joy and whatever, even if it's not your thing and not putting pressure on each other to pursue the same things. Like you're going to have friends that maybe value career more than you value family more than you and seeing if you can like meet each other where you're at. Yeah. It really is hard. I've like, I've definitely noticed, I mean, through my twenties, like people, we all change. There are things that I was interested in a few years ago that I'm super not interested in now and things that my friends were not interested in at all that like they're so passionate about now. And it really is a difficult like friendships are relationships that have to change over time and and you have to change with those changes and so i do think it's it's really important to kind of address it but in a way where it's like it's okay like what is what are the things that we still do have in common and maybe there aren't as many things anymore but you still like want your friendship and that's something that's in common too so yeah you take what you take what you get there um Okay. The next question I have is how do I not feel sad when everyone is getting into relationships, but I'm not? 
So a lot of people ask questions like this. How do I not feel sad? I think you're going to probably feel sad because it might bring up some feelings, right? Like I'm getting left behind. Um, I'm unlovable. I'll never find a relationship. Like all these things can come up. So I would make room for the sadness, like allow yourself to feel sad, validate that and try to think about like, what needs to change in my life? Do I need more single friends? Do I need more outlets for myself? Like, are there other things I can do and celebrate, but also remembering that like, it's tough when you feel like you're the only friend that isn't in a relationship. Yeah. I think it, I mean, it's so important that like, it is okay to be sad. And I think the more you push off those feelings, like it's going to build up and it's going to impact you more than you think. And if you just keep saying like, no, it's fine. Like, I'm not upset. I'm not upset. And you just keep telling yourself like, Alana, don't be upset about this thing. Like it is not going to make you less upset. It's going Mm -hmm. to eventually make you more upset. And then you're going to actually not be okay. Exactly. And you start resenting your friends because you're just like denying that they're doing, they're not doing something to you, but something that's happening in their life is causing you sadness and that happens. Totally. And I also think, so like one, one thing that just came to mind, a friend of mine, when we first like graduated college, this was like, like six years ago now, but her whole friend group, everybody got into serious relationships and she was not in one. And they were like, like, Oh, like we wish you, we could find somebody like, like, so we could all like go on like quadruple dates together. Like it'd be so fun if you just had somebody and she felt so left behind and so upset that like she couldn't go on these double dates, these triple dates. Like she didn't get invited. Like she would get invited, but she wouldn't want to go and be like a seventh wheel, you know? So she felt like she was in a totally different place and that was really hard for her. And then guess what? Two years later, she got into a relationship and all of those girls and their significant others were broken up. And then they were like, oh, like you're missing out on like our, the most fun moments of our 20s. Like you don't come out with us and get drunk and flirt with guys. Like why, are, like, why are you in a relationship now that we're not? Like you're missing out. And she just felt so upset for just being on opposite timelines of them. But because of the way they were going about it, you know, they were saying these things that made her feel less than because of her situation. And, and it was like, no matter what, she couldn't be happy. Yeah. It goes back to like celebrating your friends where they're at and stop trying to make people like be in the same time of life with you, like in order to be friends. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. Celebrating your friends where they're at, I think is so important. And like, I think it's, important to recognize that over time, your wins will change. Like somebody might get married and somebody might get a promotion or somebody might get, have a baby and someone's moving to a new apartment. And yes, they're different, but they're still like to each person, like a huge thing that's happening. And I think giving like almost equal weight to those things and and celebrating those moments and making sure that the person feels like recognized and supported and like cheered on going through it is the most important thing we can do as friends. I agree. Yeah. Okay. My last question for you is how can I learn to accept myself and the negative emotions that I often feel? I think this really just comes with practice. So whenever an emotion comes up that feels uh, negative, that you would call it negative, really telling yourself like, this makes sense that I'm feeling X. If somebody else was going through this situation, they would probably feel this way too. And allowing yourself to like label that feeling, call it what it is, sit with it. And then think about like, what do I want to do in this moment to help me like get through this emotion? That's like a healthy, sustainable thing. And the more you do that, 
really the easier it is to not try to push it down or dismiss it when it comes up again. Yeah, I think it's really kind of just unique and interesting how we have to learn, like you said, like to label it and sit with it. And I feel like that's something that we're so not used to doing saying like, okay, I feel this way because of this. Here are my options. Like, here's what I can do about it. I can sit on the couch and sulk and, you know, end up eating a tub of ice cream and crying and feeling sorry for myself, or I can go for a walk. And, or I can, I can call a friend. I can read a book. I can let myself be okay with the fact that I'm sad. And I mean, I've definitely had moments where I'm like, no, like, I just want to sit on the couch and sulk and feel sorry for myself and drown in my self pity. And like, fine, I'm choosing that. But I, I actively know now that I'm choosing to let myself <laughs> feel that way. And right. I'm like, okay, I'll do it this time. I won't do it next time. This is my like one pass. But we don't like think about that. We don't think about like, okay, here's how I feel. Like here are my options. And, and I can choose to do something that's healthy for me. That's going to maybe make me feel a little better or make me feel yeah, I mean, better, like less, or I don't know what I'm saying, but you know what I mean? Yeah, that, that labeling that takes you to the choices is what gives you power and the ability to feel like safe and secure in those moments when you don't know what you're feeling or what you can do about it. That's why it feels so overwhelming because anything that we don't know what we're doing or what it is, you're going to feel scared. Like our emotions are no different. Yeah, absolutely. And and just realizing, okay, this is how I feel. Wait, I can actually make a choice now to do something about it or not. And I mean, I feel this way all the time. I get so overwhelmed where like, I will literally have a breakdown and start crying. Be like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And like, I'll like text my boyfriend now being like, I'm not okay. Like, he's like, like, go take a walk. And I'll be like, I don't want to. And he's like, okay, then don't. But <laughs> the option's there when you're ready to. And I'm like, okay. You're right. Like I, and sometimes I'm like, okay, you're right. Like I'll take a walk another time. And sometimes I'm like, no, like he's right. I should go take a walk. And like, I will be okay. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so, so much for being here. Before I let you go, one thing I love to ask all of my guests is what is the best piece of dating advice that you've ever received? Oh gosh. Let me think about that. <laughs> I know Something it's hard. That's not cliche. I mean, I think to me it's, being honest from the get-go about what you want and what you value in relationships and listening to the other person's honesty. So not thinking you're going to get a long-term relationship from someone that says they don't want that. <laughs> oh, yes. I've, I've done that many a time. I've been like, <laughs> challenge accepted. Yeah. You really do need yeah. to learn to, to not only listen, but actually hear what they're saying. Absolutely. Well, thank you so, so much for being here. Where can everybody find you? Where can people find toxic positivity? All that. You can find me on social media, Instagram, etc. at sitwithwit. Uh, my website is sitwithwit.com and you can purchase toxic positivity through my website or anywhere books are sold, Amazon. Amazing. Thank you so much. And to everyone listening, don't forget to give a five-star rating and review. Follow at Sit With Wit everywhere and send this episode to a friend who would benefit from hearing it. We'll see you next time.